everyone, welcome to episode five of Talking Trikes. Tonight, we're going to talk about a few things of what's happening uh, at the moment with COVID in Victoria. Tonight, Darcy, who have we got on the show? We have got a big figure in the community. Um, some may say he's one of the godfathers of the sport. Um, he's, well, he's just as, as big as it gets almost. So tonight on the show, we have basically the boss, the the boss of Energy Breakthrough. His name is Nigel Preston. He is one of the most influential characters of the sport and has huge histories. All right, so today we have Nigel Preston joining us. Some could say he's the godfather, one of the godfathers of the sport, one of the top, one of the bosses. Um, but we have him here today. So welcome to the show, Nigel. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, uh, Darcy and Kyle. Good to be here. Going very well. Thank you. How are you awesome. guys? Yeah, I, I'm okay. I'm, I'm doing not too bad. But uh, yeah, obviously, life this year has been quite different. So uh, tell us a little bit about what's been happening for you lately. Yeah, sure. So look, it's just been a year of cancelling events and uh, solo training, hasn't it, really, for everyone. Um, yeah. And, you know, particularly when we're involved in a sport that's all about bringing people together and, and building things together and going and racing them together. It's, uh, yeah, it's really, really hard. So my day job is involved in tourism marketing and events management. And it's fair to say both of those industries aren't getting backfiring very soon. So, uh, yeah, just trying to plan for the future and plan to be ready for what, what comes next. So that's all we yeah. can do. And yeah. keeping and running and running. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Spot on. So Nigel, let's chat a little bit about how you got into the sport initially. How, how did you find trikes and, and, and riding these, riding these three wheeled bikes? Yeah. So I first went to the energy breakthrough in 1996 so that's a long time ago fellas yeah. um and um my older brother who who was a great triathlete um back in his day uh he was riding at the time and he was riding for bendigo senior and uh i was just spellbound i just thought these things were just the coolest things ever and i suppose rewind 24 years or so um green speed was sort of the only manufacturer that were building things and there weren't many of those so that all the vehicles then were built by the schools uh themselves and so there were just wacky really weird wacky stuff like one i remember had an office chair built into it another yeah. one was like made using whiteboards and you just like as a i was 14 years old and I just thought this is the most crazy thing ever um, I got to get into it so but I went to a school that didn't have the program um, involved so it actually took us two full years basically to get our first vehicle put together um, I got a bunch of mates together and kind of sold them this dream of come and build this three-wheeled vehicle thing and come and race it for 24 hours and uh, at that point, that like the internet didn't really exist. Go with us here, but um, you know we had v VHS tapes of Maryborough that we would show the rest of my team to be like, this is what we're 
building and this is what we're going to go and do. And somehow I sold them a good enough line that that started the process off. So yeah, look, that was 1998 was the first year. Um, Did four years at Murraburra and had some success there with Bendigo Senior and then um, moved on and post post school kept going. So it's, it's kind of kept going from there. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that evolved into being Benigo Youth Racing. Is that correct? Yeah, it did. So we, um, uh, the, the couple of years before I was at Benigo Senior, the guys who were there were doing some amazing things some really experimental designs and different things. So uh, they, um, they built a, a front wheel drive, a rear wheel steer vehicle. They built a vehicle that had a a belt drive down the side of the chassis. Um, they were building some really wacky sort of things, which were very cool and very technically advanced. But uh, unfortunately, they spent more time in the pits than they did going quickly. So um, a few of the guys that I was working with at that time were like, "Well, let's just cherry pick like the better ideas here." Um, you know, try to make this thing go as fast as we can. And that started to bring some success for Bendigo Senior. And um, uh, then, um, you know, I I even at one point held the track record. I remembered that while I was sitting watching some of your other vehicles at Maribara. Gosh, that was a long time ago. But anyway, um, and then, so yeah, then I had a year off and post year 12. So I did a couple of things and um, I was watching a couple of the other vi- uh, videos and I thought this was a great idea as well. I, I sort of did two things after school. One thing was that I wrote a letter to uh, the event organisers at Maribara and I said, guys, I've had such an amazing time. This is such a brilliant event. Can I come and volunteer? Can I come and be a part of it? And they just said, oh, young person, sure, come and do something, you know? And they gave me a job and uh, like a role and that was great. And the other thing was that um, once some more guys had come through Bendigo Senior, yeah, we put together uh, Bendigo Youth Racing for uh, 2003, um, which, yeah, was our first year. And, and again, we've, we'd never built a vehicle in anyone's shed before we'd always done it at school and so it sort of got the ball rolling from there and it was pretty kind of exciting time so yeah i kind of kept these two trajectories going of volunteering and and trike building and and racing yeah i think from what you know darcy darcy and i were chatting earlier and he was saying oh you know that was well before my time and even for me like i was coming into the to the racing scene and and you guys were just like this pinnacle like I remember watching you guys race and I thought that is so cool and it actually you know fueled me to be I want I want to be better I want to I want to get faster and and I just remember watching this trike around this track thinking how is how is this possible going so fast and and it was just so good to see um I can't recall that that much racing um that i was racing against you guys but i just remember okay it was a long time ago carl it was a long time ago yeah 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 yeah. no it's uh it's it's was so cool to see and i think um bendigo youth racing was so important for that sport and that development uh and you know it was just a great time so yeah it's uh thank you for that it was always uh, very interesting going across the border to South Australia and uh, there was this massive, uh, and there still is, 
a South Australia versus Victoria rivalry brewing um, between the two. And uh, I think they were, I got the sense they were pretty cheesed off in, in 2003 when they, when, uh, when we took the title and, and brought yeah. it home, but <laughs> the best yeah. Thing. Yeah. And uh, you recently got back into the sport and had some races. How was that? Yeah, it was um, it was fantastic. I have to say to race at uh, at Wanthaggy earlier last year, twenty nineteen. I'm losing track of the years. Um, yeah. yeah, but it was just fantastic. And one thing that, like, I love that track at Wanthaggy. It's such a great mix of technical and and cardio uh, sort of. Um, abilities on that track but um the one thing is that uh you know i just that feeling of being in a in a vehicle cornering as fast as you can trying to kind of each lap just get the lines smoother get the lines faster um pass it over to your teammate in make sure it's in a good condition you know um those sort of elements of of trike racing and competition and also spurring each other on um, throughout. I think that's really something that I haven't been able to necessarily find in other um, sports. I do a lot of running, I've done some road cycling, um, but I've never quite been able to replicate those elements of sort of build it, race it, try to keep it in good condition. And, and it really is the collective of the team that yeah. results in your success or otherwise. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you, did you notice a big, obviously there was a big difference in the bikes, but yeah. what, what were your thoughts on, you know, riding a water bike compared to, you know, a, a Bendigo yeah. Youth Racing bike? Yeah, yeah. So, um, to be honest, I didn't actually find the vehicle, I probably didn't feel the vehicle was significantly faster than sort of what we're building in 2009, um, that 09 to what um, what's running now, um, you know, like, so in 2009, back in the dark ages, like we, we just knocked off True Blue um, and they had, a, they had essentially a John, Tra John Taylor fairing with, uh, with a very good looking um, chassis inside it. And so it was a very, I feel like that's quite a similar spec vehicle to what's running now. So I, I feel like a lot of that technology has plateaued, like it's certainly evolved from there, but it hasn't, it probably hasn't jumped in the leaps that it was from those office chair vehicles that I mentioned from the nineties through yeah. to, um, through to now, mainly because you can't like once you've got someone lying down in a tadpole shape and the, the vehicles are going 60, 70 Ks an hour, like how much further can you get? Um, but big change for me was it was the first time that I'd raced um, center point steering, you know, the steering here. Um, so that was a learning curve. Learning that in a wet practice was interesting. And um, also first time I'd really raced with independent brakes. So that was something that, yeah, there was just felt like there was a lot going on for me um, in that session, but just really loved being back out there, knowing that, you know, I've still ha have some fitness and can contribute um, yeah. was really good, but yeah, still loved it and still just always trying to get those, corners faster and faster basically yeah yeah, yeah. love it Darcy, i can confirm that uh nigel's a very good runner so uh, <laughs> yeah. that's right you sure, probably yeah. all run better than me while you're walking <laughs> all right darcy you want to talk a little bit about energy breakthrough mm. yeah so i think the first question is how, how did you 
how did you find yourself in obviously the position where you are so high up? Um, what was the transition like from obviously starting at the bottom to working your way to the top in that uh, program? Yeah. So as I mentioned before, I literally wrote a letter to the committee um, after I finished year 12 and I was uh, trying to fill this HPV shaped hole in my life that had developed. And um, so I started there and I, I basically went and volunteered um, for the first few years and uh, they had me announcing on the stage. Um, they had me doing some judging in display and presentation, all these sort of simple sort of jobs, I suppose. And then from there, more things kept coming up throughout the year. So I started doing some visits to schools. I started attending all the meetings throughout the year. Um, and what I brought to the table in a sense was that I had had that HPV experience. So I had had the in-vehicle experience from a school point of view, from a, a rider point of view, and also from uh, going to Murray Bridge. So it really evolved over that, um, over the time of, spending a lot of time chasing people up. And then from a, a few years in, from, after I'd evolved from doing school visits and things like that, I started thinking that I wanna start bringing in more people like myself, I suppose, who had been in that journey. So I tried to start recruiting more volunteers, maybe they're at uni or maybe they've finished school or maybe they've been through the program in the past who can come back or do judging or do track marshalling or do, some form of keeping the program going. And uh, I think that's actually been a great evolution of the program over time is that we have managed to get more of those younger and younger people involved um, nothing against old people. I don't want to sound ageist, but um, yeah, that's been a really key thing that we've done. And while I was doing that, I was also studying uh, PR and marketing. And so a lot of that work, that comms work, just kept rolling on. So, you know, I volunteered to take over the website, which was um, sort of out of date. I think that was around 2005. And then I wanted to start sharing some of the stories. So it was, it, it started growing from there and, and just building over time, but it wasn't a quick thing. Um, but it was, uh, it was, you know, something that just, just kept building. And I went and did some volunteering at Pedal Pre. Uh, when I wasn't racing, I went and volunteered at the Queensland, um, Maribyrnong Queensland event for a couple of years um, and, and just wanted to share that around and went and did some um, volunteering at Casey and at Wontaggy as well. Um, so that, that just kind of grew, I think, yeah. throughout time. Yeah. yeah, well, it's a really awesome progression. And I think what you've done for that event especially is mind-boggling. Um, a lot of people would say is the best event because it incorporates so many different elements of racing and more than racing, yeah. of course. Um, mm. So, but yeah, it's been awesome. In, in terms of, you, you talked about bringing in volunteers of like uni age kids and people that have just left the sport. I think yeah. a lot of people do miss racing energy breakthrough. Um, I've only done it once and that was one of my favorite experience ever. Um, yeah. but is there any room in the future for like maybe an old scholars league or something? Yeah, look, that's a question that we get pretty regularly. You're probably not surprised to, uh, to know. Um, look, my, my sort of personal view is that I've, um, kind of come from an era, I suppose, where we only had one race a year 
Mm. Um, you know, when I was in high school, we only had one race a year and uh, we put all our eggs in Maryborough and that was how it was going to be. So um, my sort of view is that there are a lot of other community events um, around. Um, and so if people want to be a part of a community event, well, then there's, there's heaps of other opportunities yeah. for them away from Maryborough. And uh, I think um, without being too precious about it, what keeps Energy Breakthrough as really special is that for the year 12s, they've got, um, they've got the spotlight on them. Um, they've got the moment on them. And that's what it's all about as part of that event. I think the big opportunity going forward is that, uh, you know, putting something on the weekend before um, or the weekend after, you know, the barriers are all in place, the martial kits are out, everything's happening. Um, that could be an opportunity as part of it to have some community teams run around there and, and do some of that work. So that that's how I see it. Look, you know, people could even do it on the Monday and Tuesday if they really wanted to, but that would be my sort of sense of things, not as part of the program, but separate. Yeah. I always thought an opening act or yeah, even something afterwards would be really cool for, there's lots of guys that I've raced with that never even got a chance to, you know, mm. do Maribara. So it's, yeah. um, it's a great track. And, and I think uh, anyone who's raced there will appreciate just how cool that track is mm. and just the atmosphere and the environment. And, and if you aren't, you know, racing, even just to be there, it's, it's so cool to watch and just the vibe is, is really cool. Yeah, it's, uh, I'd still get shudders every time I hear Eye of the Tiger. Um, <laughs> yeah. South Australia haven't quite caught onto that, have they? Uh, <laughs> no. Well, they need to grab a, grab a tune for themselves. But it yeah. is it's an amazing place. And even, um, even over the years, the tracks evolved. Um, we worked on some grant funding about five years ago for a new section down near the lake uh, where the EVs are. And that's now um super super safe and super fast so it has evolved over time but i think it's probably evolved for the better um and i think it is i i'd love to race it now um versus what it was um previously so yeah mm. yep now darcy had a uh, interesting question from someone who yep. actually raced the event last year mm. and uh he was uh caught up in something darcy have you got a question you want to ask nigel Oh, yeah, so questions. last week we spoke to Sam Dutley, who was one of the Ballarat High School racers. Um, so some, he may have broken the speed limit um, in his HPV. So yes. I think there I was think plenty. Yeah. Yeah. So there was plenty of controversy around that. Um, there was heaps of ideas coming left, right, and centre. But what 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 was your reaction of? Sam basically pushing the limits of energy breakthrough and what was the meaning behind uh, reinstating that lap? Yeah. So, um, the, the long history with some of that or the not so long history with that is that, uh, in 2001, now I'm giving you a long history. Um, <laughs> That's the, when I was born. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look out. So it's a while ago. Um, the the HPVs and the EEVs and the primary school teams were all on the track together, all on the one track together. Um, and for various reasons, you know, we wanted to grow things. Um, we went and added the primary track, um, which uh, was the Regional Roads Victoria track last year. It 
had a bunch of different names. So we had a scenario where the primary teams were running separately from the secondary and the and the and the EEVs. Um, then we moved the EEVs off to a different track, um, off to the RIV track as well, or at that point it was called the Holden track. So um, all going well, that seems okay. So now we've got ourselves three races plus the triathlon. So we've got ourselves four races to manage. Um, the EEVs though, just weren't growing. They just weren't growing in numbers. So they, they were always sitting around 18, 20 vehicles, 22 vehicles, and we were manning a 24 hour race for 22 vehicles. And that's not a lot of fun from our point of view. So we got to this point a few years ago where we needed to bring them back basically for our sustainability of the event. We needed to bring the EEVs back to the HPVs um, and there are a lot of purists out there around HPVs that feel like EEVs aren't real vehicles in the same way that road bikes, often a lot of road riders or mountain bike riders don't see e-bikes as legitimate bicycles. Um, you may have your own views on that. Um, either way, they exist, okay? So we need to respond to this. So part of the navigating through this was to say that EEVs will be back on the track they'll have a limited amount of fuel, limited amount of power, but they'll also be speed limited to 60 mm. kilometers an hour. Um, that is a rule that's really built around your EEVs, which now largely as e-bikes, they could probably do 90 kilometers on that track, which is pretty scary for school kids in sometimes things they've built themselves. We didn't anticipate, to be honest, that HPVs would be breaking those uh, speed limits themselves. So it was, yeah, it was Ballarat and it was, um, it was Woodley who uh, both, I think, exceeded that track time last year. I think there might have been another HPV that gave it a nudge as well. Um, and so certainly in, in practice, we were monitoring that and we had to, um, we had to drop, drop the hammer on a few. And then certainly in the race itself, we had to, um, had to exclude a few laps as well, which that's challenging from an organizer point of view, you want people to do the best you possibly can, but you also, we also need to set a limit on that performance as well. And, and I suppose it's, it's a conversation around, well, what is that limit? Is it 90 kilometers an hour? Is it 70 kilometers an hour or is it 60? And uh, I guess we drew the line at, at 60. So I'm not sure if that answers your question, but um, that's how the history of that evolved. Yeah. It, it sort of does. I think Sam would be pretty proud to hear that they weren't, they didn't have his performance yeah. in mind when you were thinking about that speed limit, but was it a really clear, um, a clear vision that you did have to reinstate that lap when it happened? It's um, that we did have to reinstate it. Did you yeah. say? Yeah. yeah Look, it. It, 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 um, I, th I think it, it was a conversation and I think that's one of the things that we've tried to do at energy breakthrough over the years, rightly or wrongly is have conversations with people, build relationships with people and try to also put the student at the center of the the outcome um it's not it is about racing but it's not about racing as you said before darcy mm. so w we want to make sure that that student's having a good time making sure they're having a safe time and make sure that they go away from our event better than what they came in whatever shape that looks like and so yeah that was part of reinstating that that process there was some long conversations around that and uh, i actually checked the notes before 
um, before this conversation and, and he did 63 kilometers an hour or something. So it wasn't exactly blazing <laughs> into the sunset. Um, but you've still got to acknowledge that that's a lot of fast pushing for a, a kid who's in high school. Yeah. Um, that's fast riding and a good yeah. try. So yeah. yeah, we wanted to acknowledge that essentially. So yeah. we were discussing that and, and, uh, how crazy that was. And, and Darcy was sitting there saying, I hope this guy's in year 12 this year because that's quick for a year 11, isn't it? So it was really fast, you know, look, and, and some of the EVs that had their laps docked and I, I did look at some of those as well, cause I anticipated this might've come up. Um, they were in the 67, 68 kilometer an hour range. And um, that's, that's when people are starting to, you know, that's starting to get, um, too, too unsafe, you know. Yeah, yeah. If an accident happens at, at a speed like that, it's uh, going to be bad. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. Bad. and look, I we we've done a lot of work around risk management, and uh, you know, at, at this day and age, we are we have such a litigious society where people are ready to sue you at the drop of a hat. So um, you do need to err on that side of caution um unfortunately i feel terrible i feel so prudent saying that but uh you know that's how it is so yeah no i can definitely understand yeah okay nigel so we're gonna fire with some quick questions just to see how your response is tonight i want to know personally in your years in the sport with BIR, who was the most impressive rider that you ever witnessed out on that track Ooh, um, on our team or on other teams? On your team. Yeah. Uh, a Cal Ridge is probably one that comes to mind. Um, he was a starter for us in the same year in 2009. And uh, yeah, he was, he was amazing. He, um, he, yeah, he rode amazingly well and, and really set the tone for us. You know, that first stint so important to put the pressure on your rivals. And he, um, you know, he rode so well in that first stint. He was putting time into the other team up the hill at Murray Bridge. In fact, the other team manager came across to us and just said, I think you've got us beaten in the first half hour. And that just gave us the momentum from there. So that was probably the most impressive stint um, rider that I've seen from our team. All right. So next question, Nigel. What other than energy breakthrough in Victoria, what is your favorite event? Murray Bridge. The iconic. Yeah. Can't can't beat that. All right. Nigel, out of the history of the sport, looking back at all the trikes, what is your favorite looking trike? I Loved our 2004 vehicle. You'll probably have to look through the archives. I might be able to send you one. Um, it just, it just held the track so well. Was so comfortable. Uh, it was, yeah. We'd really up the game on that one. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Nigel. So, out of all your years in racing, in managing Energy Breakthrough, what was the most heroic? Heroic stint or heroic effort from a student you've seen? Oh, from a student. All right. Oh, that's a toughie now. There's been a lot of stints over a lot of years. 
One that came to mind was, it was a Nankervis. Um, he rode, I think he was 16 and he rode for two and a half hours. Um, really didn't have the strongest team. So really had to lift that one. Um, but actually another one was uh, Bendigo Southeast Secondary College. And um, they were a year nine and 10 team and they won overall at Mariborough. Um And wow. they, um, they also included a, a girl in their lineup, Bronte. And I thought that was actually really cool to include her in that collective. And they were super strong, super good unit as a team. Um, yeah, that, those two probably come, come to mind. Yeah. yeah. All right. And, and talking about your personal history in the sport, what would, does something come to mind about, you know, your best performance in a race or a stint or does anything come to mind there? Yeah. So the first time we went to Murray Bridge as BYR uh, was 2003 and we were super green. I'd never even seen the track before. I think six of our eight riders hadn't seen the track before. And we got ourselves into a, uh, a cutthroat situation at the end where uh, we were down by a lap with 15 minutes to go. And uh, I managed to sneak past a cramping rival and win the race by 10 seconds. So that was wow. probably the most, wow. uh, that was crazy. Like the commentator, Paul was just, he was losing his mind. Our family were losing their minds and we were like green as 19 year olds, just like couldn't get over that we'd managed to pull this off like on the last lap and one by 10 seconds. It was pretty stupid. All right, Nigel, thanks for joining us for episode five of Talking Trikes. It's been amazing talking through the history and you know just having you on so we really thank you next week darcy what have we got in store more special guests um they're going to be coming left right and center uh we might have some more news on track racing and seeing where the future goes to that um but once again thanks for joining us nigel pleasure thanks guys keep it all up right. yep all right so we'll see everyone next week for talking trucks episode six Bye for now.